0: Everyone, welcome to episode 69 of the Ubuntu Security Podcast. I'm Alex Murray. So this week we've got a bit of a special guest in for an interview. Uh, Joe had an interview this week with uh, Vanitha Kamath from our security certifications team uh, as part of the Ubuntu Security team, and she is discussing uh, security certifications of Ubuntu with Joe. So that'll be coming up a bit later. But first, we'll do our usual roundup of vulnerabilities fixed during the past week. So, this week uh, there were 10 different CVEs that were addressed by the team. First up, we had an update for Twisted in uh, Trusty or uh, Ubuntu 14.04 Extended Security Maintenance. So, this is um, some vulnerabilities that I discussed in last week's episode, which were fixed for the regular Ubuntu releases, and now we've backported that as well for our Extended Security Maintenance release. Uh, four different CVEs were applicable in that case to Twisted there. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to know more details on that, uh, have a listen back to last week's episode, episode 68. Uh, Then next up we had an update for WebKit GTK so this is the web rendering engine uh, that essentially wraps WebKit uh, for use by GTK applications things like the Epiphany web browser and um, the captive portal um, handling in network manager or in GNOME should I say Uh, that kind of thing. And in this case, uh, it was a fix for a use after free that was discovered uh, by CloudFuzz. So this looks like a uh, commercial group operating, uh, detecting, you know, various vulnerabilities in, you know, software systems and in particular open source software. And this one was discovered in um, WebKit and GTK components with that. So, yeah, that was fixed for Bionic and Ewan then we had an update for timeshift so this is a package that's used for kind of doing whole system snapshots um it was a single vulnerability in timeshift in eon and in this case uh, it used a predictably named directory in slash temp to store commands that it would execute when uh, you know it was doing its backups or when it's doing it for source so a local attacker could uh, because it was using a predictable name for that and it wasn't sending any special permissions to make sure that it wasn't writable by anyone else a local attacker could go and just replace uh, the script that was had the commands in there to be executed uh, while, while that was happening and it would then go and execute that as root for them so you'd have a pretty simple uh, local privilege escalation there so this was fixed by making sure it used a randomly named directory and also setting permissions on it so other users can't write to it before it goes and dumps out its uh, commands to be executed there then we had an update for the linux kernel so this is one vulnerability uh, this was disclosed to us as a result of the point to own competition uh, mantra at Paul discovered this uh, it in this case, you know, he uh, exploited against uh, Ubuntu 19.10, uh, that's Ewan, to uh, you know, collect his uh, point-to-own price. I think it was $30,000, so pretty good reward for that. Uh, what he found was the um, BPF Verify in the Linux kernel did not properly calculate uh, register bounds for a particular 32-bit operations. And so as an unprivileged user, you could load a BPF program that exploited this to then go and you know, read or uh, write arbitrary kernel memory, essentially. And so as a result, uh, not too um, complicated to then go and craft and exploit as a result that would get you root, and in this case, get you, you know, a nice prize as part of One. own. So yeah, we fixed that in uh, the kernel in Eowyn, and that's also the hardware enablement kernel in Bionic. That's 18.04 long-term support. And this was also reported upstream uh, to the uh, Linux kernel developers as well, so that any other distributions that happen to uh, you know, be shipping that vulnerable code could also fix it. Uh, and then last up we've got a couple more to go through. Uh we had an update for blues or blue z, depending on yeah, well I guess blue Z uh the American pronunciation. Uh, in that case, uh two different vulnerabilities that were fixed for blue Z in xenial bionic and Ewan. Uh the first of these, it didn't handle bonding of uh HID, that's human interface devices, and B Hog P I don't know, HID over GAT is the the. Uh, at, at, expanded acronym of that um so particular devices basically that uh you know were meant to be bonded and a local attacker could then use this to impersonate non-bonded devices as a result so that was fixed uh, and it was also a possible buffer overflow in its parse line function that was used by a particular command line based user land utilities and so not a super high priority one that one but uh you know someone could execute one of these things with some crafted input and you know you'd have a buffer overflow as a result so likely not privilege escalation but uh possible code execution or unintended code execution and finally we had an update for PAM uh, Kerberos 5 the library for doing PAM authentication uh, or doing Kerberos authentication uh, with PAM integration so that you can essentially log in via authentication to a Kerberos server. In this case, uh, this was for all of our supported releases all the way back to uh, precise or 1204 extended security maintenance. There was a single byte buffer overflow uh, that you could potentially use for remote code execution. And so in this case, the buffer is provided by the underlying Kerberos library Uh, An attacker can then supply input of a specially crafted length that would overflow this by a single byte and so you'd get memory corruption as a result. Now because this buffer comes from the underlying library this could be on the heap or it could be on the stack Uh, I don't know and then you don't really know what's around that as well that you can corrupt and so it wasn't necessarily uh, proven that this could do remote code execution or code execution as a result but uh, safe to assume maybe that it could. Uh, this was only used though in code paths where the kerberos library does supplemental prompting uh, and or in the case where you're running pam with no prompt configured as well so uh, not necessarily the case that anyone that is just using this is exposed but if you are running in those sorts of configurations you might be but yeah that was fixed for uh, pam kerberos 5 and that's it for this week in security updates so as i mentioned at the start uh this week i actually had a bit of a break uh joe took over the kind of hosting duties for this part of the podcast and he sat down with uh, vanitha kamath from our security certifications group to have a talk with her about security certifications for ubuntu
1: everybody. Welcome to this week's Ubuntu Security Podcast with a special guest. Um, this week, we've got Vanitha Kamath, who is the security certifications manager within the security group here at Canonical.
2: Hi, Joe. Hi, everyone out there. Uh, thanks for inviting me, Joe, to this podcast.
1: Cool. Um, let me ask you something before we go in, because every week I bug Alex and ask him what he's reading. I wonder if he's finally finished D. But what are you reading right now?
2: Well, I just started on this book called Mindset. It's it's a it's a, uh it's a book by um, Carol Dweck. It's a, it's a book, uh, sort of psychological. Uh, you know, it, it reads into insights of what makes you successful and things like that. So I just started on that.
1: Very cool. I, I'm reading. I guess I'd say two books right now. So I'm reading okay. that um, uh, uh, an elegant problem. Um, it's a book about the engineering management. Um. And then another one, which is way more fun, uh, called Moon Shadow Murders. It's a mystery that happens here in Moab. And uh, I enjoy those books. Oh. <laughs> so that's what I'm reading right now. Because you awesome. got to have a little fun, you know, especially in these times. Um, totally. So so this week, uh, as you may guess, since we have uh, Vanitha here, we are going to talk about the various security certifications that we have here at Canonical. Um, so I'll kick it off, Vanitha. What certs do we have right now?
2: So, uh, all, like, Ubuntu has a bunch of security certifications. Uh, we have FIPS 140 2, which is a US uh, government standard. We have certified a bunch of modules like uh, kernel, OpenSSL, OpenSSH, StrongSwan, and uh, we're certifying libgcrypt as well for 18.04. Uh, we have all the certifications on 16.04 currently available, and it is uh, FIPS's uh, uh, standard that mandates. Uh, uh, stronger cryptography requirements, and uh, we go through this process with NIST uh, to get these modules and libraries certified. Uh, we also have a common criteria certification, which is an international ISO standard uh, that defines uh, the security objectives and requirements for uh, systems. Uh, we, For Ubuntu 16.04, we... Uh, 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 we actually uh, got EAL2 assurance uh, level, which actually, uh, the assurance levels basically say how strict your compliance is, uh, uh, how stringent your security requirements are. Uh, So we strive for compliance against operating system protection profile, uh, and that one, for 16.04, we used the BSI operating system uh, protection profile. The good thing with common criteria is it's it's an international standard, so the products once evaluated in that, it can be sold in multiple countries. It's recognized in multiple countries. So it's a good use of industry and uh, government resources. Uh, We also have a a benchmark hardening tool, CIS, one of them, uh, which is the Center for Internet Security. They actually produce benchmarks uh, for and this is basically a cybersecurity standard, which uh, uh, tries to harden your systems. Uh, uh, and this, this is basically, you know, uh, prevention is better than detection. So that's the philosophy of all this hardening, where, you know, you try to reduce your attack surface by uh, locking down the systems to a certain extent by following certain recommendations. Uh, so, for CIS, uh, Ubuntu has been producing benchmarks. Uh, we have benchmarks for 14.04, 16.04, 18.04. Uh, we also have uh, now audit and mitigation tooling, which uh, makes sure how compliant is your system against a CIS standard. And that's available for both 16.04 and 18.04. Uh,
1: which is really cool because, yeah. um, you know, if you, if you want to make, I'll say... A certification is a, or the benchmark, since it's scoring, um, you want to revisit that, right? Because if you do, often systems change. So we can audit it, then run the mitigation, audit it again. But often you're not going to want to run that entire mitigation script again over and over. So by, after your system changes, you might want to run the audit and see you know, what has changed on your system, which isn't only good for security, but also helps you know, gives you situational awareness about what things are changing on my, on my system.
2: Yep, totally. So, uh, so, so uh, we also have STIG, uh, which is, uh, we work with disa uh, the Defense uh, Information Security Agency, that is uh, in DOD, and we Canonical works with them to uh, produce this uh, uh, bench STIG guidelines for, again, hardening the systems. Uh, this is available for 16.04. And uh, we are also working on audit and mitigation tooling for 16.04. And 18.04 is the benchmark uh, draft is approved, and it's sh- it's it's uh it's 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 in the process of getting published in the next uh, several weeks. Um, STIG also um, no, allows uh, systems to be locked down um, so that you know the they are hardened against uh, the benchmarks. So
1: isn't the, and so the STIG um, I've used that one a lot in the past. It's uh, I think what does it stand for Secure Technical Implementation Guidelines. Yep. Um, they're they're really handy. Um. You know, they're coming out of the DoD, people give them a lot of weight because you know it's coming out of the DoD. Um so I've seen a lot of um uh you know non I'll say non-government businesses running them because it's a it's a known standard. Which kind of goes into um I guess my my next question, you know, I think we should talk about why certifications matter, right? Um why not just every group I mean in the past when we were you know, if you start out as a sysadmin, you had your own hardening bash script you would run that would do a few things, etc. Um you know, why do you think uh, like a standard, like a certification? Why do you think that matters?
2: Well, uh, first of all, it provides you a certain baseline uh, of what is you know uh, for different operating environments and systems. Okay, this is uh, because all these uh, hardening guidelines or this uh, security uh, certifications they require you to uh, exhaustively test systems against uh, the. Uh, published guidelines and benchmarks and standards and requirements. So then that gives you a baseline. Okay, the system has met certain criteria and, and it, it gives a certain confidence level and assurance. Uh, and and uh, that's, that's one of the main reasons you go for certifications.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you think, if you're, uh, one I always think of, which I think they did a very good job because it's almost, so it's almost entirely private is the PCI DSS, right? The Payment right. Card Industry Data Security Standard um they if you want to if you want to deal with credit cards online and not want to have to pay out of pocket for everything that happens you're um you're kind of reliant on using PCI DSS and similarly you know with something like i think we see CIS a lot in cloud environments um well it's not uh it's not a standard people have to apply we're seeing everyone at least I'm seeing everyone want to apply to CIS cuz it's a known standard they can go back to their cyber insurers um, if you're a startup, using something like CIS is really handy because you can tell your investors, you know, we're not just winging it with security. We're applying a known standard. We're as good as everyone else, if not better, for people who aren't running it. Um, so,
2: totally. And and uh, I also see in federal government systems they actually uh, require FIPS and STIG, uh, which is also uh, and 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 especially many classified systems require Common Criteria as well. So.
1: Yeah, and actually, you know, it's interesting you said that because you said in government, and and that is also .gov, right? So not just um, stuff that's going to be on Zipper or Nippernet that that's yeah. going to be out there in the public domain, but also, you know, a, a, a use case for something like um, uh, FIPS is FedRAMP, right? So FedRAMP uh, is the standard uh, that you have to apply if you're going to do basically a cloud any cloud services for uh, for .gov, and there where you do have to apply FIPS modules, so you'd apply our FIPS kernel. OpenSSL, OpenSSH, um, and our uh, StrongSwan, um, you would apply those just to be um, uh, FedRAMP compliant, along with a number of other FedRAMP standards. Now, FedRAMP is somewhat different. You're not strict FIPS compliant, so you have to have these FIPS modules, and there's a bunch of other things on top that cover things like network security and operating environments of physical security, things like that. Um, so, I mean, if you were going to, so let's say, Vinita, you're going to stand up a, a system. Um, you're going to stand up a web server. Um, what 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 um, certification do you think you'd ap- apply to that? It's a public well, web server, not in the government.
2: Uh, well, for data encryption requirements and all that, I think you would definitely have to use FIPS on that. Uh, you would also use a CIS standard so that, you know, that's a cybersecurity standard I would recommend applying on a server that actually communicates outside, that would be two practical uh, standards I would go for.
1: Yeah, I mean, all these, so uh, I think for all of these things, right, like if you have any sensitive data, so think Mm -hmm. about an enterprise database that's housing sales information, that's housing customer um, uh, email addresses, like that. something like your HR system, you know, you want to deal with things that have to do with crypto and standard security, because I don't know about you, but I certainly wouldn't want my records on the internet. So protecting it with those things. Um, and something like CIS, that's if, if you're using our tooling, you know it's it's a very light touch, right? You're doing the audit and then you're doing the mitigation.
2: Yes, exactly.
1: Um, stig is a little more complicated because if you're 100% stigged, you have a very difficult to use system because it's so locked down. Which is why you're going to basically stig the box, and then if you were in the government, you'd make your you'd, you'd document your exceptions to make it more, I'll say, usable. But in the private sector, you would just stick it and then remove a few things to make, you know, SSH and other things like that actually work. Um, you know, and right now, since we've seen a bunch of people switching to work from home, um, I would think that a bunch of these standards should be applied to at least your, your VPN accessible environment. Um, you know, we have people who are not, we have people who are now, I'll say, quickly ramping up their VPN, uh, uh, their VPN capacity. Because, you know, in, in the past, their environment might have had access for a few people like their developer developers or their sysadmins do break-fix after hours. But now it's the whole company. So they spun up these systems. Now more things are exposed to home computers. You know, applying these standards would go a long way to securing your environment because security is more than just the perimeter. It's also inside the corporation. Because when you've got someone who, you know, was doing credential stuffing or um, brute force password attack and it's now in your network, um that's all, that's something you want to protect against as well. So these things can all apply there. Um
2: totally. And and one additional thing that I wanted to mention on FIPS was uh Canonical offers two different uh products on FIPS. Uh we have uh so uh FIPS is sort of uh, uh a SaaS certification that's uh you know that's tied to a certain binary when it's certified. So but we as a inherent nature of software, we get constant stream of CVEs. uh so we have some customers and uh, uh, folks who are interested in getting the CVE updates uh, uh, who really not require strict FIPS certification. So we make that those uh, FIPS packages, which are certified, we apply our CVE updates, we make them available to, uh, which are called, uh, you know, we can say uh, available to people who are interested in CVE fixes. So we have that offering as well from Canonical.
1: Cool. If you were going to... Uh it, so, on any of your systems at home, just curious, do you apply any of the benchmarks? Uh, I,
2: I try to do a. Uh, I, I try to run FIPS uh, on one of my uh, personal laptops, but not not necessarily uh, yeah. <laughs> all the other stick or any of those stuff.
1: I have a pile <laughs> of NUCs that I do a bunch of different thing with things with. So I've got, um CIS running on the NUCs. Okay. Um, well. <laughs> Well, thanks so much, for taking the time to chat with us today. Hopefully, we'll have uh, have you back on, or more importantly, we'll convince you to somehow come back on the podcast in the future. Um, everybody, have a great
0: week, and thanks for listening. And thanks very much, Joe and Vanitha, for doing that. Uh, I really love listening to that. Alright, uh, that's it for this week's episode. Thanks everyone for listening again as usual. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can reach us at security at or you can uh, post to the security section on discourse.ubuntu.com or if you want to find us on Twitter, we are at ubuntu underscore sec. So yeah, thanks again, Vanitha in particular for your uh, participation in this week's episode. is really great to have you uh, on board and to uh, actually have a week break myself. <laughs> but yeah, thanks everyone for listening as well. Uh, until next week, remember, keep calm because we've got you back and I'll speak to you soon. All right, bye.